speak, and if you would take hold of a Bible again and turn back uh, to 1 Peter, I think it's on page 1217, uh, and you might have a little yellow sheet nearby, that's just got an outline for the, the sermon tonight, if that's useful then, then please do use it, but most importantly, uh, do open one of the Bibles again, so you can follow along as we look at 1 Peter together. Uh, there are times when you're forced to be realistic. Uh, some of you will have asked people questions something like this. Uh, do you think I'm going bald? Um, uh, they've given you an awkward pause. Uh, but even in the pause, the reality has hit home. I'm not looking forward to when I start to go bald. Well, many of you will know Joan Lewis, uh, two of the ministry trainees. They play badminton uh, sometimes here on a, a Tuesday lunchtime. I join in. Uh, the reality is obvious. Uh, they don't say it out loud. I don't either. But the voice in my head, uh, you're not as fit as you used to be, if I was ever that fit. I can't do anything about losing my hair. Uh, but a reality check about fitness w- was good. I- I've joined a gym. And not in the January rush like some of you probably did. Uh, I was serious. I joined in November. Uh, You can probably tell already. (laughs) It's hard work, uh, but it is good. My fitness has improved a little bit. It's good to be realistic. Uh, The Christians Peter's writing to have been forced to be realistic, but it's not about fitness. Something much more serious. The excitement of becoming Christians has been checked by suffering. Peter's going to show us as we look through this letter, continue to look through it on Sunday evening, some of the things that that cause them trouble. Some are inconvenient. Some very serious. There are desires they have, even as Christians, to do wrong things. It's a hard battle at times to say no to the wrong things. There are insults and abuse that come from people who are not Christians. Uh, There seems for some real physical danger. There's the difficulty of the person you love the most, uh, your husband or wife, not being a Christian. The person who's most important to you, not sharing your trust in Jesus, who has himself claimed the most important place in your life. Uh, those things and other difficulties can give us a reality check. Is Christianity realistic? Uh, does it make sense of life? Have I got it right or am I doing something wrong? Is this the grace that's talked about? Because I seem to be having a hard time. If you've ever felt like that, oh, Peter's letter is for us too. He, he actually tells us why he's written it. Uh, just look at the back of the letter, the end of the letter, chapter 5, verse 12. If you turn over there, Uh, quickly Uh, let's just read the the ending of the letter he says this chapter 5 verse 12 with the help of Silas whom I regard as a faithful brother I have written to you briefly encouraging and testifying that this is the true grace of God stand fast in it with all the knocks that come in life reality checks that bump us around Peter says what I'm writing is all about realistic Christianity. The true grace of God. 
You can stand fast in this. If you've got this outlook, you've got it right. Remember some of what we saw last week, how Peter begins in verses 3 to 12 back in chapter 1. He talked about a future promise. Now you're trusting Jesus, you're included in God's future inheritance. It is secure. It won't lose its value. Eternal life. I kind of summing it up, but the Bible calls it glory. But Peter's realistic. Alongside that look to future glory, he says the present is a struggle. Christians may suffer. And whenever you're learning something new, it's good to be able to ask, am I doing this right? It's good to have a pattern to follow. Well, in this Christian life, it's meant to save me. Have I understood salvation correctly? Am I doing salvation right? I just have a look at, down at verse 10. You see what Peter says? I concerning this salvation. And then he goes on to say that the Spirit of Christ spoke through the prophets and predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The prophets, he said in verse 12, wrote that down for us for his original readers, and for you and me. They wrote it down for us. And what will the Christian life look like? And what's a realistic assessment? How will I know if I'm living in the grace of God? Well, I'll be following Jesus, even through various trials that cause some suffering, but with confident hope in future glory. Suffering now, glory later, just like Jesus. And with that in mind, Peter gives us some lifestyle training. You see, it's there in verse 13. He writes this Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. It sounds very practical. And it is. Because you're Christian, think right. Focus your efforts properly and let your future hope shape what you do now. You don't need to be a Scottish genius to understand that. It's just... I don't think understanding is the only problem. Back to my gym. When I joined, you meet this nice little man. He's got a tracksuit on and he seems to know all about fitness. He's very good about the whole fitness thing. They, they weigh you. Their scales are quite inaccurate. I must speak to them about that. <laughs> and then they, they have a chat which boils down to something like this. If you do more exercise and eat less, you'll get fit and lose weight. Ah, that's about the, some of it. If you didn't know that, there you go. I understand that. But the trouble is, I still find myself down in the gym's cafe... Uh, drinking a Coke and eating a large slice of flapjack. Yeah, I find it helps for someone to walk me through the practicalities of what I think I understand. And that's what Peter's going to do in this letter. And here's how he starts in the verses we're looking at tonight. Uh, first of all, verses 14 to 21, well, don't live as if you don't know God. Don't live as if you don't know God. It sounds kind of a stupid thing to say. 
How could a Christian do that? Well, it's what Peter's getting at in verse 14. He says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now that you know God, I don't live like you don't. But here's what we should know. God wants us to be like him. Verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God is holy. And not in some kind of caricature of a medieval monk. He's holy. Perfect in his purity. He he thinks in a good way. Different from the way this world thinks. There's nothing evil or impure with him. His justice is never biased. He's motivated by his love. And he's like that all the time. He says, I I want you to be like me. Holy. All the time. Because I'm holy. Are you aiming for holiness? Uh, To imitate the consistent love that God shows. Uh, The faithfulness that Jesus displayed even when the pressure was on. Aiming for holiness in relationships. Uh, With your boyfriend. Uh, With your wife. With work colleagues. Have you become sarcastic? Thoughtless? Have you been unforgiving during this past week? What are you like when you go to work? Do you let it be known that you're a Christian? I don't mean in that kind of irritating way, but people know. Is your Christianity taken off like your jacket and hung over the back of your chair? Is it left at the entrance of the school assembly? There are situations that make us want to keep our heads down. Uh, Do we need to ask ourselves again? Do you ever live as if you don't know God? I do. I drop the holiness standard all the time. I might not say it out loud, but the excuses pop up in my head. Holiness is too hard. I'll stick out. People will laugh. Uh, You don't know what it's like for me. I can't be like you, God. Now Peter says, God's rescued us so we can be like him. Verses 17 to 21. Just have a look at that. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, It's quite something Peter says there. If you're not a Christian, you're here tonight, you might think it's outrageous, but here it is. He says, life before you're a Christian is empty. There's nothing to it. It's going nowhere. You're ignorant about God and you ignore him. You you live going away from God. That's, That's empty living, says Peter. In what sense is it empty? Uh, how is it empty? You know when you, uh, you're buying something, you want to know the quality of it. Perhaps 
I don't know what it might be, a, a new walkman for your music or a new vacuum cleaner or something like that, you pick it up you, to feel the weight. It, it's all flimsy. It's too plasticky. It feels hollow, empty. It's not built to last. You think, I'm, I'm not going to get that. But one day God will judge us. He'll be impartial. He'll pick up our lives and weigh them. See what there is of lasting substance. He won't be interested in the temporary things of this world, money, success, good looks, power. And Peter says all that kind of glory fades away anyway. And God will be interested to see what's become of lives that were created to share God's life. To grow more like him in character, love, and pure joy. Lives that share and are powered by God's eternal life. But you'll find them empty, hollow, nothing that will have value for eternity. We were all headed that way. But Peter says, you Christians... You were redeemed from that way of life. God rescued you. He saw all this emptiness and decided to do something about it. So he went shopping. He went shopping for people. You could say he spent all he had on you. Verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, bought back, from the empty way of life handed down to you, but with the precious blood of Christ. If you're a Christian, God has bought you, bought the bank, you belong to him, your future is secure. But he bought you so you could stop living in an empty way and start being holy like God. A living for him is not what saves us, but if we are saved, it's so that we can live for him. It's great news. God making it possible for us to turn from emptiness and instead invest in a life that will have lasting value. Things God says have weight, substance. If we understand what God's done for us in Jesus, rescued us, substituted his perfect life for our empty ones will display a kind of well how does Peter put it? reverent fear and not wanting to just go along with the world we'll, we'll say to God I want to be like you I don't live as if you don't know God and God wants you to live like him and you can I don't lower the standards just because it seems hard. You might be thinking, well that's all very well, but I don't seem to be changing. I'm a Christian, but I don't seem to get very holy. Well, here's the second big thing Peter says, and it comes verse 22 onwards. He says, remember, God's word brings life and growth. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian, just, just think for a moment how you became a Christian. Uh, what happened? 
Now, some of you, I guess, could point to a specific date. Others, well, there's no specific time, but uh, you know you are Christians. For, for me, it was somewhere between the age of 15 and 17. I'm not sure exactly when, but it was during that time. And for many of you, you'll have had an experience something like this. Uh, things about Jesus just seem to click into place. You worked it out. You got it. It made sense, and you became a Christian. That's what it feels like for us. Uh, well, Peter explains what happens. Verse 22, you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. At verse 23, for you've been born again through the living and enduring word of God. Uh, something like this happened. Uh, you heard or read or, or were told God's word something of the good news about Jesus his death and resurrection for you that perfect life substituted for your empty life and God worked in you through that word by his Holy Spirit and convinced you the moment you really believed you obeyed that word you trusted Jesus and Peter mentions a couple of things that happened he says you were purified washed clean spiritually, the, the spiritual equivalent of a, of a power shower used on you. And God forgave you because of Jesus, you became acceptable to him. And says Peter, you were, were born again. That's an odd phrase, isn't it? Uh, what does it mean? Uh, as you know from this evening, I'm a fitness fanatic now. Uh, but if I'm honest, doing exercise sometimes feels very unnatural. I feel like I'm forcing my body to do something it was never intended to do. Uh, the rowing machine, uh, the cross trainer, uh, that thigh thing, I, I don't even really know what that's for or how it works, so I usually stay away from it. Uh, they just feel odd things to do. Uh, some people feel that way about Christian living, uh, as if you're being asked to do an unnatural thing. Well, that's not right if you're a Christian. You've been born again through God's word. Reborn as someone who says yes to God. You've noticed that if you're a Christian. You started thinking all of a sudden, what would God want me to do here? And it started with that first, yes, I will trust Jesus. You've been purified and born again, or if you like, forgiven and changed into someone who says yes to God and God did that in you through his word how does that help us with holiness well, let me just tell you two things about God's word as we finish first of all a Christian growth is inevitable because of God's word a Christian growth is inevitable because of God's word. You, you see what Peter says happened when these people obeyed the truth. Verse 22, uh, Now that you have purifi purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for your brothers. A true Christian belief starts to change you. It is one of the ways you, you know you really believe God's word. Uh, you're changed into someone who says yes to God. And Peter explains why that is. You see how he describes God's word? He says it's like a seed. 
an imperishable seed, verse 23. If that really gets into you, it will grow. I don't know if any of you have uh, enjoyed the visual aid I brought along with me tonight. Did, did you see it? It's, it's right here uh, in the pulpit. There. Just have a quick look at that. Can you see it? It's good, isn't it? There it is. It's a seed. Actually, seeds are not that impressive, are they? Something much more impressive would be something about this size, wouldn't it? Hey, can you see that over there? Ah, that's a bit, you can tell I've been working out, can't you? <laughs> that's a bit more impressive. I see what, it is tiny. It doesn't look that strong. It's a bit dirty, that as well, isn't it? You wouldn't, if I asked you to move the brick with, with that seed, you say, well, that's a bit daft. Oh, the thing is, this brick comes from a wall outside my house. <laughs> Not part of the house, just outside the house. <laughs> a few years ago, a, a seed must have got in, in between the brickwork. Now, there wasn't much soil, but it, but it took root, and there's a tree there now, sticking out of the wall. And it started to push some of the bricks out. At the inevitable strength, of that tiny seed you think about specific sins you struggle with how they feel immovable solid walls and nothing will shift them all this talk about holiness I'll, I'll never be like God I'll be encouraged and God's word is powerful it is the imperishable seed Christian growth is inevitable because of God's word and just on a practical note, when we think about things we struggle with, we'll all come up with something at the top we're ashamed of. Why am I like that? Why do I keep struggling that way? And don't make that the total measurement of your growth as a Christian. That growth takes time. If you keep struggling with temper or greed or a sharp tongue, oh, keep struggling, keep praying, asking God to help, but don't stop rejoicing in other signs of growth your love for other Christians and musical gifts and generosity and be encouraged Christian growth is inevitable Peter says because of God's word when the Bible gives us encouragement it's never so we can just sit back and take things easy God expects us to act responsibly Peter has one more thing to show us here and it's this a Christian growth must be encouraged with God's word you see even if we are changed we are to act responsibly what are people who have started loving others told to do in verse 22 well they're told to love one another deeply what are people who have been born again so they say yes to God told to do at the start of chapter uh, chapter 2 was to say no to malice deceit Hypocrisy. You see how that activity is encouraged? Or the picture changes from seeds to food. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. I was talking to Andy and Sophie Oatridge during the week. Uh, they just had a little baby. I really encouraged this week because he's feeding well. He's wanting his mum's milk and he's gaining weight. 
We're nervous, aren't we, about any baby who doesn't want to feed. How's your appetite? Bored after 25 minutes? Are you feeding well? Start of another year. Are you back at school? Are you back at work? Students back for the term. Uh, Be committed to coming along on Sunday evenings as we study God's Word together. Uh, Coming along to Sunday AM, to Lighthouse, to your home group. Uh, Do you want to grow like God? Don't lower His standards. Crave good food. Don't let your appetite be spoiled by junk food. Here's Peter's lifestyle training. Don't live as if you don't know God. And remember, God's word brings life and growth. You see at the bottom of the sheet, if you've got one, there's a couple of questions. Maybe you could take that away with you. Maybe you could chat about them with people at home. Or maybe over coffee you could talk to someone. Uh, Wouldn't you feel tempted to live as if you don't know God? And how has God helped or encouraged you through his word recently? You can talk to someone. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. You you want to know, does that really work? Does God's word do that? Uh, Why not ask one of your Christian friends about that? A couple of questions to keep us talking after the service and, and thinking about these things. But let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that when you save us, it's not just from something, but it's for something. And to be like you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, you are a good father to us. You don't stand over us, criticizing us, but you encourage us and help us to live the right way. Thank you for your word that trains us and helps us to know and empowers us to live for you. Please would you help us to crave that good spiritual food. In Jesus' name, amen.